0: All right, what's up, everyone? Welcome to episode one of the Not So Country Club podcast. Uh, I'll be your host. I'm Tyson. Uh, I kind of want to start this off by just saying that I think this would be a lot doper if I had a co host. Um, By a lot doper, I mean like probably a little bit cooler because this isn't that dope in general. But um, anyway, shouts out to COVID 19 for just sort of messing our lives up a little bit. But you know what? We'll get through it. Uh, obviously you guys are pretty bored with the current shutdowns and everything if you're listening to this, but I appreciate you listening to this. So I'll start off with a little background on me. Um, I've been playing golf for 18 years. Unfortunately, uh, I played division three golf. So yeah, nice. Uh, <laughs> um, I, for those of you who haven't been blessed by the gamble Sands story, um, a lot of you just rolled your eyes right there, but if you haven't heard the story, I shot 65, it's my lowest score. Um, we'll probably talk about that story at some point in this, not this podcast, but some other podcast down the road. Um, and if you know me and if you play golf with me, I can just as easily shoot 65 as I can 96. Um, just depends on which version is going to show up that day. Um, I think it's important to know who someone's favorite golfer is. Cause that kind of builds their credentiality throughout like life. And so I think that, It's important that you guys know my favorite golfer is Rory McIlroy. And I honestly think Tiger Woods, this is a hot take, but I think Tiger Woods is super overrated. And I think that um, Rory is clearly the dominant golfer. Tiger's had his time. Um, It's time for Tiger to go play on PGA Champions Tour. Shots fired. Come at me. I don't care. Whatever. I'm just not a big Tiger guy. Good for him for winning the Masters. Sick. Um, anyways, so now that you know a little bit about me, let's go ahead and jump right into this podcast, which could be pretty shitty, but I guess there's only one way to find out. All right, so topic number one is the most embarrassing stuff I've seen someone do or done myself on the golf course. Um, I'm pretty sure a lot of you, for the, my most embarrassing moment, immediately thought of this situation I'm about to tell. Uh <laughs> Basically, it's the time I made a 14 on a golf hole, and it was par 4. At the PGA Jones Cup, um, I'm playing with the guy who's in the lead for the day. Like I wasn't playing great, but our grouping overall was having a decent day. And um, it's kind of like a 485 yard par 4. You got a bunker down the right side. You got a bunker on the left side. You got a hallway of fairway, and then you have a the atlantic ocean between that bunker and the green and so unfortunately i hit my drive pretty good just kind of ended up rolling in the bunker so i'm thinking all right no problem i'm a good golfer i know what i'm doing i can hit it out of this bunker onto the green get out of here with like a par bogey and call it a fucking day so that's not what happened um i tried to hit it out of the bunker the first time laid the sod on it chunked it, put it in the water. Okay, so at this time, I currently have four golf balls to my name left. One on the ground, now three in the bag. Um, So I then proceed to hit that shot topped into the water. Um, It kind of trickled into the water, so I guess I could have gotten that ball if I needed it. Um, the next shot. So I'm still in the bunker. We're still about 170 yards out to the green. Um, my next shot from there is the sickest hosel rocket I think I've ever hit. It went about 85 yards, right. And probably ended up killing a crocodile. So now I'm down to two golf balls. I then hit that last final ball before the one in my bag into the water so now I'm down the one golf ball so I'm looking at myself like "All right, Tyson this is uh, is time to see what you're made of so I decided that I was going to be a bitch and I was going to hit it out to the side which I did so I laid up I then sculled a like pitching wedge to like 45 feet on the green and four putted for a 14 Um, the sad thing was is that like it took me a minute to figure out what I even made on the hole because I was trying to count up the penalty strokes how many times I hit the ball and everyone else in my group was like you made a 14 like they knew that shit right away and I was like Yo, you guys, like, come on, man! Like, like I would have told you fourteen. I just wasn't there yet. Like, you didn't need to jump on me like that. They're like, well, we just want to make sure you just knew how high it was. I'm like, ah, work, thanks, guys, appreciate that. So yeah, that was a pretty embarrassing moment. Honestly, I'd rather get hit by a moving train than have to go through that again. I have PTSD from it. I wake up in the middle of the night in cold sweats. Anytime I'm in a bunker, I shake a little bit. So, um, if you haven't played golf, that's a thing. PTSD from golf is for sure a thing. Um, I think it's time to dig on somebody else though. So we'll talk about a man who's one of my friends. We're not going to say names here, uh, but we'll call this guy Carol. And Carol's pretty well known in my friend group, uh my local golf course friend group. Um, and so we're playing, you notice an average round on Sunday afternoon. And this man's on hole nine of our local course, uh, which has a Portageon that's about 370 yards away from the green. But so he hits his tee shot no real cause for alarm at this point. Everything seems to be going fine, and all of a sudden he kind of just starts scurrying to the Portageon. And so we're thinking, all right, like, dude just got to go, or he's trying to, like, go quick so he can go hit a shot, I guess. We're not waiting on him. I was like, appreciate that. Then things got a little bit worse. Um, he didn't make it to the bathroom. Um, he ended up shitting his pants prior to making it to the Portageon, and some of it got in the Portageon. Um, So for clarification, you're probably thinking, all right, Tyson, like, why are you playing golf with like a six-year-old, five-year-old, someone that would like poop their pants? Yeah, this kid was 16. Um, So that's, I think, why this is a pretty embarrassing story. Uh, So basically, he ended up finishing the hole. Um, He then walked to the parking lot to kind of a, you know, a walk of shame. Again, doing a pretty good job of staying calm under the situational circumstance. And then... Ends up getting in his 2000 Honda Odyssey minivan and drives away slowly to go see his mom. Um, If that were me, I would probably not come back for a couple weeks. This guy came back later that day and played another round of golf. So, I mean, that's just incredible. Good for him. This same kid has been seen uh, hitting his second shot on hole number 14 at our home course with his pants down because he topped his tee shot and hit it about 38 yards and was about 145 yards behind the ladies' tee box. Um, so, yeah, I think this kid's just got a real knack, for, real knack for embarrassing moments. But, Carol, we love you. Um, please don't change. And uh, we'll have plenty more embarrassing moments, I'm sure of it. All right. So next thing we're going to do is we're going to talk about golfing under the influence. Um, I think a lot of people associate golf and alcohol. Um, I think that there's a pretty good reason for that. And I also think that there's some explanation that needs to be done around that. So we're going to go ahead and just kind of jump into it. So, I would say that there's an argument that golf is only to be played well under the influence of alcohol, and I think that that's pretty reasonable to say. But I also think that you can enjoy golf sober, so don't think they need to be drunk to play golf. But it's highly recommended, especially if you suck and especially if you've not played before or you're like playing golf with your significant other and like they're not that good or something like that. Just drinking just makes it better. I found that to be pretty common, pretty common solution. Um, but that being said, I think there are different types of drunk golfers. So I would like to kind of go into that. Um, exhibit a is the blackout player. (laughs) So this player, uh, pretty much either pregames before the round or shows up in like two holes in is like taking poles out of their flats cracking open white claws just drinking 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 and by like hole seven they're like stumbling around like not making much sense and then my hole 18 like they're just checked out so i think though that you know you're thinking like all right well obviously like a blackout player is not going to play good golf that's so false i have two decent examples of this um The first is this guy, we're going to call him Mr. Lovett. For those of you who are in my friend group, that slash play golf with the course that I'm from, you definitely know who this Mr. Lovett is. Um, We call him Mr. Lovett because he literally loves everything. uh, And I, we always respected that about him. Unfortunately, Mr. Lovett was taken from us a little too soon. RIP man, miss you. Hope you're doing well. Hopefully this podcast makes you laugh a little bit. Uh, But one thing that we got to talk about, Mr. Lovett, is his passion for drinking and playing golf. I have never seen such an iconic duo as a bush light in one hand and a golf club in this man's other hand, because literally it's about all I ever saw of him. So, legend has it this guy took a 30 rack of bush light one day, a couple of his buddies drank about 15 beers aside, meaning 15 beers in nine holes, meaning 15 beers in two hours meaning that he had 30 beers in four hours um so you're thinking all right well this guy definitely ended up getting his stomach pumped so like why are you telling us this story but clearly i'm telling you the story because he didn't get his stomach pumped and would you believe me if i told you that he shot a 65 one of the best rounds of his life and he literally doesn't even fucking remember it I think there can be a couple things that can be said about this. I think the first thing is you can say, what a guy. That's absolutely legendary. Like that's stuff only heroes are made of. And I think that I would take that side. Or you can say, like, God damn, man, you should probably not drink that much. But you know what? This guy's shot a 65, so good on him. Um, and I think that the average, so like a US measurement for how drunk people get when they play golf is about five to six white claws for the average like white middle-aged american male um so i think that between that five and six ranges like you're definitely buzzed and then like anything past six is like okay we're starting to enter uncharted territories like anything's fair game and then below five to six like you better be playing good golf otherwise you're not going to be having fun because you're sober so um we're going to talk about the second story supporting the blackout player being a good player. Um, it's actually about myself. I'm not an alcoholic. I just – I have drink on the golf course and I play golf. I just – it's happened. Um, and I think that I myself can categorize myself into two players of the blackout player. So I can have blackout player A, which shows up, drinks, knows he's going to drink, ready to drink gets pretty messed up, but still has a great round. I myself have also shot a 65 of blacked out and I don't remember anything from hole three on. Um, so that's 15 holes of undocumented golf swings that apparently were spectacular and that I wish I could remember, but I don't. Um, but I've also drank a lot on the golf course and ended up shooting like 126. Um, so I think that there's definitely that good amount of being drunk on the golf course, but and let me just say that Mr. Lovett, it took him about 30 bush, li- bush lights to be drunk. It took me about four and a half white claws. So, um, Mr. Lovett really was an icon. I think we all need to understand that. Um, all right, so I think there is the good way to play golf under the influence, and I think you have to be in what's called the Cinderella zone. I know I'm probably not the first one to come up with that, but I think I'm pretty sick for thinking of the Cinderella zone. Uh, so the Cinderella zone would be kind of that, like I was saying, that four to six White Claw, maybe four to five Bud Light Seltzers, because Bud Light Seltzers kind of hit a little different, so I think you got to monitor that situation. Like if you're a Claw or Seltzer dude, um, it's important. Honestly, I think that should be the first thing people say when they meet each other. Like, do you like Bud Light Seltzer? Do you like White Claws? And then like, that should determine like, if you guys connect or not. Um, it's kind of a hot take, but I hope that catches because I think it should be a thing. Uh, so yeah, you can be in the Cinderella zone so that you're feeling yourself. This is what some would call maybe the birdie juice where you've had like a couple sips of some drinks. You're drinking a little bit. You're starting to loosen up. You start to have your mind get a little clear. You make some good swings. You see the ball going where you want it to go. You're having a great time but there's also the kind of players that just suck and by hole four, they're like, all right, well, let me get my flask out, like get some birdie juice going. Like, it's definitely going to change. And it, it, it doesn't change. Like they're just the same golfer. They're just a little more drunk. And then they're, even worse and then they start drinking more and then it you know just kind of goes downhill so i think that cinderella zone is important if you're trying to utilize playing golf under the influence you need to know your cinderella zone also beneficial to know your opponent's cinderella zone so if you're trying to like make them play bad you get them a little more fucked up give them a few more drinks or you maybe switch out the white claws and the seltzers just some thoughts out there for you guys maybe you want to use it maybe you don't i don't know could help you So I think, yeah, overall golfing under the influence, I don't think you're going to have a lot of people telling you that it's not fun, but let's go back a minute and talk about the people that work at the golf course and dealing with y'all under the influence. So I also work at the golf course that I play at and I have dealt with way too many people under the influence. Again, I'm, I just said, I'm pretty down for it. Like if you want to drink on the course, that's sick. Just don't be a dumbass. Like, We got a call once at this golf course that there was a group on the 13 tee box, like four males that had their dicks out and were shooting guns at gophers and were drinking. So imagine making like 13 bucks an hour and you kind of look around you're like, well, all right, which one of us is going to go talk to them? Like, are you going to go talk to them for 13 bucks an hour? Probably not. No chance. I would I would for sure not go. You couldn't pay me enough money to go talk to those dudes. Like at that point the golf course is lost. Like you just got to surrender, like move on, just act like it didn't happen. Hopefully the situation will diffuse itself. Maybe let someone else call the police. I don't know, but as a pro shop employee, I don't give enough of a shit to go talk to you. That being said, Sometimes we have to go talk to you. And let me just tell you that that's awful. I've gotten a couple calls of people drifting carts on the greens. All right. So I play golf. I know that driving a cart can be fun and drinking and driving the car can be fun. It's also dangerous. Don't drink and drive, but you get my point. Um, And I know that like drifting carts when you're drunk, it's for sure fun. We see it on TV all the time. Okay, don't do that because literally it sucks for everyone else. You are tearing up the golf course, you're ruining the cart, and then I have to awkwardly come out there at 11 o'clock at night and tell your drunk ass to go home. And then it usually doesn't go well, so then you end up complaining and then I get in trouble for telling your drunk ass to go home. Uh, Just don't put us in that situation. But if you do offer some beer when we come and talk to you, that makes it way better. Uh, even a couple shots are preferred. So, I mean, if we do have to come talk to you and you are being a dumbass and you want to defuse a situation, all it takes is a couple Bud Light seltzers. I'm a Bud Light seltzer guy or a couple shots and we can we can talk things out. But if you're not going to do that and you are going to be a drunk asshole, then just stay home. Do something else if your life. I don't know, but we don't want to see you. Yeah. So overall golfing into the influence. Good. Do it in moderation. Have fun. Uh, if you're going to blackout, make sure you're blackout player a that shows up and shoots the 65, not blackout player B that shoots the 196. All right. So now we're going to switch to the style slash dress code portion of this podcast. Um, For those of you who knew anything about me, you know that the dress code portion is very important to me. Um, So I'm going to start with a blanket statement that's going to maybe offend a couple of like single middle-aged dads out there that have just started playing golf. But don't wear fucking jeans on a golf course. Like don't do it ever under any circumstance ever. I don't care if you don't own another pair of pants except besides jeans. My dad goes to Goodwill every Saturday and gets his own pair of khakis for like $3.26, and I'm sure you could too. And if you can't, talk to me. I'll set something up for you, and we'll get you a pair of fucking khakis. But do not, under any circumstance, show up to the golf course wearing jeans. Jorts, on the other hand, okay, jorts are like, okay, if you're going to go to a public golf course, it's like your typical like goat show traveling circus public course. It's like kind of a joke. Uh, You can wear jorts. um, And I know that uh, the target audience I'm referencing with that is like, you know, your typical frat guy. We know that you guys are coming. We know that you're going to wear your jorts. We know that you're going to bring a driver only and you're going to show up with a 30 rack of PBR at like 530 on a Saturday night. Before you go out on the town with the boys, you're going to show up to the course. Okay, that's dope. And like you can wear jorts and wear whatever you want. That's sick. But no one gives a shit about how cool you think you look hitting it super far when you're hitting it like a buck 30. When most players that are like, you know, anywhere near good at golf can shoot it to hit, hit it 200 yards. No one thinks you're sick. Um, so just keep that in mind. Keep coming. We love the business. That's great. We don't mind it. Just, you know, relax. It's all good. Wear your jorts. Uh, that being said, I think working at a public horse, I would just like to ask that at all times you wear clothes. Obviously, we had that story earlier about people not wearing clothes, but I mean, I have a few more instances of people not wearing clothes. And I, like I said, we just don't get paid enough to come tell you to put a shirt on, put some pants on. Like, why am I telling you to put your pants on? Like, did your mother just like not raise you? Like, I don't get it. Like, did, were, did you not learn that you just wear clothes in public? Um, yeah, I don't know. If anyone knows the answer to that question, like, let me know. That'd be sick. Um, the next thing I think we should definitely talk about is the different styles of golf courses. So like I mentioned earlier, kind of the public course, it's more of a wear whatever you want, please wear clothes, please wear shoes. Uh, try not to wear wife beaters or anything like if you can wear like a t-shirt at least that's a better look. Um, but then I think that there's also the standard country club. Uh, and I think that country clubs requires more of a slack short, shirt tucked in, collared shirt, golf shoes only. Um, and then some country clubs even go as far as like making you wear a suit and tie in the like restaurant area. Um, I think that's great. And I think that if you showed up to wearing jeans to that course, you'd probably be tased and then carried off in like a maintenance truck. So I would not recommend trying that. But again, don't wear jeans ever okay thank you um yeah actually i do want to circle back to the golfing under the influence thing because i definitely forgot to mention one of the most key aspects of where i work um, and that is a certain individual's birthday bash Um, it's going about four years strong now we have A lot of people that get together to support this individual. I'm not sure when your birthday is, bro, but I know it's in the early June and it's pretty hype. We tend to wear like embarrassing outfits. I think last year we wore like all pink. We wore like booty shorts and tutus. It was pretty good look for us. Honestly, we looked sick. And then we were like drinking beer out of like baby bottles. It was iconic. Um, It's a great time. So I think at this point during this birthday bash, it doesn't matter how you play. It's just all about how you play if you're fucked up. So like if you're sober and you play bad, like you'd look like a loser. But if you're hammered and you shoot like a 73, everyone thinks you're the hero. Um, A certain event that happened during last year's birthday bash is I actually had 69 yards to the hole. Uh, and I looked at this individual whose birthday it was and I was like yo dog the shot's for you I set the bottle of champagne next to my ball take a couple practice swings step up hit the shot make it get on one knee and then proceed to chug a bottle of champagne uh so that's just kind of how the birthday bash goes um Yeah, sorry, I just had to mention that because that was an incredible time. But back to dress code, I think – so there's that country club look like we described, and then there's also like a high-end private golf look. So you're thinking high-end private golf like is people have money. I worked at one of these courses. They do have money. You think like, okay, they're going to dress nice like Louis Vuitton, everything, okay, all that stuff. Some of them roll up to the golf course in a G-Wagon, board shorts, and flip-flops, and just with like a half-drink and white claw, and it's like, what's up? And some of them show up in the Louis Vuitton, nice looks like the Ralph Polo and all that shit. And like, they look good, but I think that it doesn't matter what they wear. Like they could show up naked, their money speaks for them and that they can wear whatever the fuck they want. You just have to sit there and say yes. But I mean, I would still have a hard time saying no or saying yes. If they're wearing jeans, I'm just saying uh, it's a conflict of interest for me. I think in that case, I'm getting fired because I'm going to tell them like they shouldn't be wearing jeans. So hopefully that never happens to me. Stay tuned for more. I guess I'll tell you if it does. Uh, I think another important topic when it comes to dress code is the tiger red concept. Um, for those of you who don't really know that tiger woods wore red on Sunday of every golf tournament back when he was winning a lot. Now he still does it. Um, it's supposed to, it's like an intimidation factor. It's like, yo, I'm tiger. I got big dick energy. Like here I am with my red on, like, let's get it. So I think that's one thing if Tiger Woods does it, but if, like, Timothy Small from, like, a small town in Massachusetts wears Tiger Red to his local club championship and shoots, like, 87 in the final round in, like, the 15th flight, I think that you look really dumb if you do that. And I think that you're disrespecting Tiger, and I think you should really reevaluate what you're doing with your life. Um, You should probably write Tiger an apology note, and then you should just wear a fucking pair of khakis and a white-collared shirt when you play golf next time. It's a concept. I know it's tough for everyone to hear that, but I think that there are only certain kind of people that should wear Tiger red. Patrick Reed, you are not one of them. You suck. You should not wear Tiger red ever. Um, and I don't even really like tiger, but I definitely respect the fact that he wears red and like, that was his thing. I think we should all respect that. If you're going to wear it, please shoot lower than 70 every time you do. Otherwise you will be hearing from me and we will have to have a tough conversation. Um, the next color scheme is the Ricky Fowler orange. Um, I think that OG Ricky, when he would wear all orange was a good look and I definitely tried to pull it off. when I was a kid. There's one problem. I'm colorblind with like shades and stuff. So I would wear like three different shades of orange and I thought they all matched. Um, and I just, it was not a good look. And so I think that if you're like 30 and you're still doing that, I think there's a lot that's said there, right? Like you're 30 you're on the weekend with your boys and you're wearing all orange. Like you didn't have any other outfit. You didn't have anything else you could have spent that money on. Like you couldn't have spent that money on like a pair of, you know, nice pants with a nice shirt that are like a good color. You have to buy like the Ricky Fowler orange that's intended for like the teenage population. It's not a good look. I don't recommend 30 year olds doing that. It's not going to make you a better golfer. In fact, it's probably going to make you a worse golfer and it might affect your friendships as well. So keep that in mind. Ricky Fowler wore orange because he's a good looking person and he's a younger guy and he's good at golf. So I think we all need to understand and realize that. Um, I have two more final stories for you guys. The first of them being I once played golf with this kid in high school that was not having a great round, but we came up to a par three. It's about 200 yards. He steps up, hits it to 20 feet, probably his best shot of the day. So we're thinking, all right, man, like good swing there. So we get up to the green, he's looking at this putt. He's like, God, I would really love to drop one today. And I'm like, you know what, man, like go ahead. Like you can definitely drop it. Like, let's see it. And he actually ended up doing that. And this man took off this straw bucket hat that he'd been wearing all day for just no reason. But I was like, Hey man, I respect the hustle. Like it looks good. he took that off and underneath that straw bucket hat is a headband that says sinking putts and banging sluts. Um, And I just immediately was like, this man is just out of this world. And I'd never seen something like that, but I think that these headbands should be mass produced. And I think that if there's someone who knows the market for this, hit me up and we can put it together because this guy should be a national hero. It's pretty funny. Good dude. I mean, he was already wearing a straw bucket hat, so that was cool. And then he pulled out a headband. I just couldn't even handle it. Um, the final story, last but not least, is a guy named Easy e For those of you who know who Easy e is, you know that his style is the best on the golf course. It's literally so bad that it's somewhat good, I guess. Um, the first time I met Easy e was at a driving range, so it's different than a golf course. So At the driving range, he was wearing jeans. Again, we're at the driving range, so it's cool. He's wearing jeans. Jeans with black shoes, brown belt, red shirt. And the belt buckle was the size of Texas, a straw bucket hat, and shaded eyeglasses, the ones that like change depending on like light. Um, and I'm just thinking, no way this guy's real. And he introduced himself as my new teammate uh, for when I played college golf, and it was unreal and literally if you ever need any fashion advice you should hit up this guy he'll get you any belt buckle you need um as long as you're into like just giant belt buckles and he's got the best draw bucket hat game ever um yeah so hit him up let me know if you need his number and we'll get you going on that so that's about all i have for this podcast today but i, I want to thank you if you've listened this far i'm pretty sure i'm probably talking about two or three people but again i appreciate it Um, we'll try and do this more often, try and get a co-host, maybe a couple of guests on, but until then everyone stay safe and, uh, peace and blessings. See ya.